interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Welcome to the Chasing Waypoints podcast. And this is a special bulletin. The Dakar Rally is now over, and it is time for North America to start off its rally season. Most notably, and the reason we are doing this episode today, very, very simple. We have the Sonora Rally that is now a World Rally Raid Championship. And this is the Essential Information Bulletin episode. That is what we're going to call it. Man, that was a bit of a mouthful, but that is what we are after today. We are no, no longer days, months. The Sonora Rally is coming up. The entry period has opened up. So we are going to be talking with none other than Darren Skelton. Getting all those questions in and figuring out because there's been some changes. So let's see if we can get them on the horn here really quick. As we hit the dial button, we'll turn up the volume here. Hi, Victor. Uh, hey, Darren. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. I'm excited. <laughs> Good. Me too. Yeah. We got a little bit of a, a little bit of a change at the Sonora Rally. Yeah, a little, a small change in, in, uh, in so, <laughs> would be the understatement of the year. But yeah, big, <laughs> well, yeah. First of all, I mean, there's we're we're gonna get right to it on this episode because there's a bunch of questions that people have been having and and all these things going on. But uh, I know you were at Dakar uh, this uh, this yep. past couple of weeks. Everything went well. Presented the rally. How did that go? Yeah, it was great. They had a fantastic press conference, uh, the kickoff at the sea camp there. So we got to all the organizers of the five rounds of the world championship were there. Mm -hmm. uh, so we all got to present our events and talk to competitors and get feedback and uh, you know, answer questions. And so I'm, I was really happy with that. And people are very excited to come to North America and to come to Mexico and the state of Sonora. So um, that was great. It was super motivating. And then obviously to see all of our North American racers there. I got to see everybody off the line, which is awesome, and uh, uh, wish everybody well. So it was a, it was a, it was a good trip. Uh, um, the weather was a little tricky at times. It got a little wet in the bivy, but it, but it was good. Uh, overall, we had a, a really good time. Yeah, for a minute there, I thought they were going to start doing whitewater rafting tours in the bivouacs. <laughs> it was really bad some days. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's running to the gas stations to buy, uh, you know, rubber boots. You know, you could buy them at some of the uh, some of the stores there. They have a lot of camping supplies, and so it was the was the mad rush was to get some rubber boots to walk around in. You know, yeah, that that was the business to be in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Very nice. All right, let's get to it because I know you got a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, okay, so this year Sonora Rally World Rally Raid Championship round. So, yeah, it's a huge deal. Very exciting. That means, what does that I mean? That brings obviously all of the focus to the event. It is a much bigger, all the factory teams, everybody is now coming to this. Yeah, 
Yeah, so, you know, one thing that's really important for everyone to understand is that, you know, when we founded Sonora Rally, it was Scott Whitney and I, you know, started racking our brains 10 years ago about having an event. It was it was always designed to be supportive of the North American rally raid community. We needed a place that we could put on a, a high-class event with the proper regulations to teach people how to go to a rally raid and be successful. That was our goal. We never really focused on the international scene because they already have a lot of rallies and we don't have a lot here in North America of that, you know, sort of quality with the navigation and the dunes and stuff. So having said that over the last few years, as, as we've grown and, and, you know, had some success and, and people have done well at Dakar, you know, the, the focus has been from the teams overseas and from the organization at ASO about expanding rally world on a global scale and having a proper world championship. So, they wanted to include a North American round, and um, based on my relationships and uh, with some of the people over there, we started talking about this several years ago. Um, and now the timing just seemed to be right, and the state of Sonora got behind the, the project, and they want this to happen. So it's it's uh, a super great uh, opportunity for everyone in North America to see all these big teams finally on you know our home soil. Um, some people may never get the chance to go to Dakar, but now you can come to Sonora and see, uh, you know, all the top factory bike racers um, and car racers and Nasser, Sebastian Loeb, is, and, and, you know, and then, you know, Toby Benavides and Skylar, obviously, and Ricky and uh, Mason, you know, all those guys racing here together. Um, and it's super exciting. So um, we're, we're, it's, it's a big challenge because we're obviously – taking on the FIM and FIA regulations. And so because of my goal to keep people involved here, we're going to maintain a national division for bikes and cars to allow anybody who wants to be a part of this to come and still race. The, um, the, the, some of the days the tracks will be slightly different or shorter than the FIA and FIM. It's mainly due to the fuel um, uh, uh, capacity that we require for the national cars is much lower than than for the international so they can go a little further um, but overall the concept is still to be uh, open to everybody and, and to keep that core North American you know rally raid uh, you know, group involved in the event so that, that's that's our goal and hopefully we'll achieve that yeah well, I mean, in that, that was, I, I remember when the news broke when I was at last year's event and that was like literally right after the news broke, that was one of the main things that you were saying was, you know, Hey, this event, you know, we're working on, first of all, is not losing the flavor and what the event is. So that I think was very important and that's been the ongoing conversation. So I'm happy to yeah, see and and obviously, we've got to figure out, you know, some things and, and some changes, and there's going to be some teething issues, but we're just going to be super open. And ASO and uh, as the promoters of the series are super open. They see the value in that, and they want to encourage more people to try a rally raid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, that's why we're doing the school in February, and we'll probably do another one later in the year after the rally as well. Um, but, you know, we, we want people to, to participate. And even if you're curious, I mean, we'll have the Adventure Raid again, which is just for street legal vehicles, uh, four by four cars and trucks that can, you know, will follow along and, and be a part of the rally caravan. You can learn about uh, what rally raid is in a non-competitive sec- uh, sections and also go out and see these guys racing um, up close in, in privileged areas that not all general public get to go to. So uh, it's designed for overlander type vehicles. So if people want to come down and 
be a spectator or be an adventurer as part of the rally, we want to have that too. Because we've had guys who've done that for two years and then end up buying a side-by-side and then now they're racing with us. So nice. that's kind of the natural progression that we want to see happen. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, so that actually is, is one of the very first, uh, the first questions that we have, uh, what is the, the difference between the FIM and the national classes at Sonora rally? Okay. Well, the FIM, uh, obviously they, there's licensing, there's safety requirements, there's bike limitations. So they have a 450 CC limit. It has to, you have to, uh, race with an, an airbag, um, and you have to have all the appropriate licenses in place. Um, we will have teams from Europe that are coming that will provide rental bikes as well as some teams in North America that will, f- uh, that will fit in, uh, the FIA, uh, sorry, the FIM category. So if people f- here want to race in those categories, they can, um, the national classes, we've kept two of the classes we had last year and they're not going to change. It's basically the enduro and the adventure bike class and the 525 CC breaking point. So if you're under 525 CC, you can race in the enduro class. And if you're over that, you race in the adventure bike class. Um, so, um, you know, that those two classes are basically carryovers from last year. Uh, we will not require the airbag, although we are suggesting people start moving in that direction as recommended. And we're not requiring licenses this first year, but we are recommending that people start to get their licenses and progression in the following years. And we'll probably start requiring that. So, um, you know, if you're from the you know, U.S., you go through the AMA and if obviously Mexico, the riders, they can go through the Mexican Federation uh, who we're working with closely on the event. Okay. Perfect. So yeah, so it so there's the home because that was the first you know the internet right that was the first thing they said. Well, I got a five hundred one, so I guess I can't race it. But this clearly is. <laughs> yes, you're in the national class. So no, yeah, think- yeah, and, and it'll be scored separately. You know, uh, but a lot of the route will be the same. Um, it's just the distance stuff. We have to sort of take that into account because we have to have a certain minimum distance for the FIM and FIA cars and bikes. So. Um, and their their fuel stops are different than what the national class would be. So that's a logistical thing for us, and we have to take that into account. Yeah, excellent. Uh, the next one that we have was the uh, FIM license being required. I think we pretty much knew that one is, yeah, if you're in the in the FIM side of it, yes, national class, no. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah, but I would suggest people get – at least an AMA membership or whatever the Canadian counterpart or Mexican counterpart is because, you know, down the road, I think that's the smart way to go. And we'll start, you know, we're just trying to make the change gradual as we adopt uh, some of these regulations. Some of the rules. Okay. Then, uh, so then with that, you know, the AMA license side of it, I know that there's, I believe there was something like a, a you, it requires like a start permission from the AMA. Well, usually how it works with like a permission letter if you go to a, a international event. I know it's out with the FIA. Um, it does that. So as an FIM sanctioned event, um, you would need to have an international uh, permission letter for to, to race in that event from your from your home uh, uh, federation, basically. So I've I've done it with the cars. I I'm assuming it's the same thing with the bikes. So. Okay. So works. So okay. So AMA registration is recommended. Start uh, start permission not 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 needed then. We'll, go well it, yeah, it's not, it's not needed if you don't have a license with them. You're not going to need the permission from them. So gotcha. It's not. It's just tied together. It's mainly for FIM international rally license. 
competitors. So like if I, like for instance, if I've been racing and I hold a valid FIA license, uh, rally license, I also have to get the international competition permission letter. And now I, I don't know how the FIM does it, but FIA has that printed on the back of the license. It used to be a separate letter, mm-hmm. but now when you get the international rally license, it's actually printed on the license for the FIA. But uh, oh. the FIM, I'm not sure how, okay. how it works. Gotcha. All right. And then let's see. I'm just going through this list of questions here. Uh, the route um, is different, right, for different classes. And I think you already mentioned that, right, because of fuel mileage and fuel requirements. Yeah. So the idea is that, you know, we've always had, it used to be 150 kilometers of autonomy we required. Uh, we've kind of reduced it a little bit, unless it's like a super fast, high mileage section, then you know, we'll push that to 150. But generally, we're somewhere between 120 and 150. We put fuel stops. Um, the FIM uh, uh, bikes and UTVs are at 250. So that allows us to run a longer stage. We've been limited on our stage legs often because of this fuel autonomy. Like we can't do it th- over 300 uh, on 50 or 320 kilometer stage because we'd have to add an extra fuel stop and that would require more manpower, more volunteers and more logistics. And this was always became difficult for us. So uh, with the FIM and FIA cars going longer distance, they'll have a separate fueling infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, some are running special fuels and stuff. So we're going to coordinate all of that logistics separately and we'll just run the same logistics we had for the previous editions of the rally. So it won't be any shorter than what they've run in previous years, but it will be a little bit shorter some days than the FIA and FIM vehicles are running. Gotcha. And that was something that um, I think was previously mentioned is uh, the road books for this are, are, is everybody getting the same road book or there's two separate road books? It'll probably be two separate road books because the finish lines will be different for the national classes and the, uh, uh, the FIA, FIM vehicles. So it'll be a separate setup. And they're also running different uh, tracking and electronics. So like the national classes will be still running on all the things we've used in the past, which is the rally comp system. And bikes will be on paper road books and vehicles will be on digital tower ones. Uh, there'll be no outside digital road books allowed. We have to, the organization mandates what um, we use so we can control the information going in and out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and that's, we've done that in the past with all the four wheel vehicles had option of digital and there's a limited amount. So if we get over, if we get a big national four wheel entry, then the late entries would have to have paper. Um, but for, for right now, that's kind of the plan is to cover four-wheel entries with digital and bikes on uh, paper. And then FIM and FIA, the FIA, they have mandated a digital roadbook mm-hmm. for the cars. Um, they ran the digital roadbook at Dakar this year. Um, whether they're going to mandate that for all the rounds has not been decided yet. So I think there's some discussion going on. So as soon as we have that from uh aso and from uh fim we will publish that information but um that's not decided whether they're going to run the same road books they ran this year at dakar or whether we're going to go to paper gotcha okay uh the next uh question we had age requirements for the national class i think this falls more like what the rally has done up till now right yeah, age requirements, like minimum age. Yeah, minimum age. Uh, a- anything under the age 18 has to be accompanied by a, a, a letter, a permission letter um, from uh, 
uh, the parents or guardians, and we have to clear it with our insurance company. So, um, you know, it's, it's a case by case basis. I, I probably wouldn't allow a 12 year old to come and do it, but, mm-hmm. you know, in case of someone who's 17, um, you know, then that, that would probably be okay. But I'm not going to say there's a, uh, a minimum age right this minute, but we'll take it on a case by case basis and, and uh, you know, yeah. discuss that. Yeah. And, you know, Absolutely. Uh, let's see here. I think I think I can't remember how old Mason was when he first raised this, but he was pretty close. To being <laughs> <under> 18. <laughs> uh, eighteen, I think. If not, yeah, he just yeah. turned it. Yeah, yeah. Because I yeah. think he, uh, yeah, twenty-one for this one for this Dakar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Super impressive. All right. I know that's crazy. I was literally just talking to him uh, right before we got on the phone, and, uh, and yeah, it's it's amazing to see what he has done with with the equipment that he has now. So I can't wait to see him on a factory team. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's see the next one. These guys have are riders competing for the road to Dakar slash Dakar experience requirement to compete in FIM or national class. So if I wanted a road to Dakar. Yeah, so that's been a long, ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, some opinions on it, and and uh, as of right now, um, and what was just finalized in the last couple of days was uh, that we will uh, offer the um, road to Dakar on the motorcycles to, uh, to um, the national class uh, riders in, in the enduro class. So national enduro will be eligible for road to Dakar. Uh, the reason is that's how it's always been. Um, we want to encourage rookies and not factory funded riders to go, uh, or previous factory riders. So we want, we want people that have the dream of going to Dakar and, and might necessarily have all the, the resources to rent an FIM bike and, and race with the FIM guys that, uh, we can encourage them to come. So, um, so that's, that's the plan right now is to run those in the national class for the road to Dakar. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was in Saudi, mm-hmm. we negotiated to have the uh, side-by-sides UTVs added to the road to Dakar. So we'll offer two prizes this year. Mm-hmm. So that's a big, big step. Um, where and how that's going to be assigned is not 100% final yet. So we're working on that and we will announce it in very short term uh in the coming coming days but there will be a utv prize uh awarded as well to uh, road to dakar so um that's super exciting and i'm super excited about that because it's going to bring more attention from the utv world i think uh, to have that and give that opportunity for someone who really wants to go to dakar to um to uh, chase after that so yeah. we're discussing with teams on that and how to do that but we will announce the rules on that shortly okay yeah that uh i mean that's definitely an, an interesting one i in a previous conversation with mo he was telling me that i think south racing had something like 20 or 26 utvs there under their banner uh yeah they're, <laughs> I, they're more i think than that because they're bringing they have told me that they're bringing possibly 22 utvs to sonora just that one team <laughs> wow so, <laughs> it's a big change we're gonna have a pretty pretty stacked field because a lot of guys are gonna be racing with them who had ambition to go to dakar the u.s based racers mm-hmm. and this will be their first attempt at rally raid to see what it's like working with a factory team and kind of get that. And that's the, that's the thing that I think a lot of people need to understand is that if ever you've really wanted to want either look at or test drive or race with one of these European based vehicles and teams, 
doing it in Sonora is going to be far more cost effective and easy than it's ever been before. So it just gives people a chance to see how these teams work and how they're different from what we're used to in North America. So I think it's a great opportunity for people that want to get involved with those those rental programs that are out there. Yeah. And not only I think from the conversations that I've been having recently is it and it seems like in a much friendlier environment, because my understanding is this year's Dakar was an absolute workover on people like it was very (laughs) difficult, very challenging. I, I, I agree with that. You know, I, heard, I saw some comments like, oh, you know, back in the day, these guys wouldn't be, you know, taking a day off. And, you know, and, and you know, in Africa, we used to go for, you know, and, and I did those events. I did Africa. I did South America. Um, it, it's not a you, you don't necessarily have to be out on the track to see what's going on because I physically watched and saw what these guys were looking like when they came in after riding all day and even the top guys were just getting worked and it wasn't just the terrain it was also the weather they were getting up at <laughs> four in the morning and riding in you know 50 degree soaking wet weather on a motorcycle for you know 200 300 400k i mean that is just physically brutal you know to do it's not fun so it was taking its toll i think that they made you know the right decision to cancel that one day and um, it was definitely a difficult day, but yeah, Sonora will be warm. Yeah. <laughs> we won't have any rain, but there will be, there'll be a lot of sand, you know? So, um, yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The weather last year was absolute. I mean, it was just phenomenal. You, you almost wanted to double the race up. <laughs> Let's just run it backwards. Yeah, it's a little bit, I think it'll be a little bit warmer this year because we're a month later, but it still should be pretty nice. So we'll just probably start a little bit earlier in the mornings. There we go. Very nice. Uh, okay, let's see. Jump on the next question here. If you are the Road to Dakar recipient, are you required to utilize the prize in the intermediate or in the immediate following year? So if I won Road to Dakar this year, does that mean I got to use it for the 24 Dakar? Yes, it does. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I can't have people stacking it in their pocket, especially when those guys are desperate to go. Some of them you know, may only have one shot at it. And so I... My my feeling on road to Dakar is it needs to be utilized. It's a it's a big prize. It's something that um, comes along very rarely. And if you are serious about going, you should register for it. If you're not serious and you win it and you don't go, I mean it's it's not fair to those who really have the dream and the passion to do it. So to that end, there is a regulation in the road to Dakar that if the person opts not to go within a certain window. Mm-hmm. Um, I can reassign the prize to the second place person. So, um, but they have to let me know far enough of that. So they let me know, oh, you know, in middle of November, beginning of December, it's too late. But if they let, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but, but if they let me know in October, I can, I can still do something with it. So that's something that we want to start doing. So we make sure people actually to utilize the prize in that calendar year. Gotcha. Okay. So it can be reassigned, but we'll, I'll finish that up here. All right. The only, the only, the only caveat I would say to that is, for some reason, like last year, we had to move the event closer to the Dakar. Then, then there's a possibility we could change that um, to be like a, to the following year because it was too close for someone to make all the arrangements. So, but you know, as of now, that's not been the case. But that that was a discussion after this year that if they had to do that again that maybe we could do that to make it easier on people but 
Um, but you know, as of right now, the rules are written that you have to use it that year. That year, yeah. And I mean, and not. I mean, <laughs> it is a hell of an undertaking. So I, anybody that thinks that going to the Dakar is an easy thing, they've been watching the wrong documentaries. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so fully agree. I mean, and and that's cool that at least there is that possibility to like, okay, well, you can transfer it. You know, if if everything, you know, for some reason that one puzzle piece doesn't fall into place, then at least there's hope for the next guy in line. You know, to 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 pick up that. Yeah, and I'm mentioning it that so when we do this in the spring, that you know the first and second place guys can be in contact on that. You know, so because you know, that way we can make it happen. Because I really want to get guys there who want to be there. You know. Yeah. No, that's absolutely huge. I mean, and that's such, I mean, it's such a bucket list item for so many people and even just to go and be there. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, I think that's fair. And let's see here. Okay. So the one question we already went over, this was the bike displacement requirements for each class, but in the national class, that's pretty cut and dry for 525 and under is enduro above is going to be adventure. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I think on the FIM side of it, they have their own, but I mean, basically it's, everything is 450. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. For the, that, yeah, you have rally one and rally two, they have rally three, but I don't think we have anybody entered in the championship. So there's no rally three uh, this year. Mm -hmm. um, we, there are two other things that people have been asking about, which are not up yet, which is uh, a Mali moto class and uh, a veterans class, which we will, we will have that and we'll update the entries accordingly. We just, we're just trying to figure out the final logistics on the Mali Moto so we can get some support from uh, sponsors to help it easier on people to uh, be a part of that. So once we have that, we'll announce that program okay. in the coming week. Uh, all right. So doing it, making sure I get the right notes here because, man, it seems like the, these questions are like <laughs> flying out of everywhere. Um, <laughs> all right we already know what are the rules for the fim class there's a long road book for that or a long uh rule book for that one to be read uh yeah i know one it's of the, all online yeah yeah i see they, they posted a link on this so yeah, i think the big thing was the tire i know uh, at one point they were talking about tires you know so everybody on the has to run uh fim spec tire i think that's probably just the the main guys or not the main guys, but the FIM side of it, national class, I think is still going to be open. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, this first year I'm not making many changes, but I just want people to realize that we reserve the right. If we have to, in future events that we might start adopting more to have more, um, crossover between the two. But as of this year, we're not going to, um, make a drastic change because we have such a short turnaround between the announcement and putting the event on. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, okay. And we're getting to the end of this here. If you have, okay. So if you've run an FIM event before and do you need to register under rally GP or rally two? Hmm. Good question. Um, it would be my preference, you know, if you are looking to compete at that level, that's where you go. But again, I mean, I'm not, I'm not stopping people from entering the national class. It's totally got a, it's totally a choice for the rider. Um, again, the, the, the big difference will be that you will be running um, distances and fuel stops according to the FIM, FIA uh, regulation. 
as opposed to the national regulation. So uh, your your race will be shorter and will be scored different than the FIM, FIA guys. So I think it would come down to what a rider or a racer wants to get out of the event. If they want to go there and stack themselves against the other Rally 2 or Rally GP riders, um, and that's their goal, and, and they want to be competitive, then they should race in that class. If they're there to learn more or to maybe go for the Malimoto or the Veterans Trophy, then they can run the national class and, and be a part of that. Part of that side of it. Okay. So, yeah, that's 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 fair. It's not necessarily that it's like a sportsman thing, but it just depends on where you want to see yourself. You know, if you want to be competing yeah. against those guys or if you want to be competing against, you know, your your home crowd. Yeah, and it's also a budgetary thing. I mean, it's definitely the championship level racing is is, is more expensive. The entry fees are higher. The, the bikes are probably a little more to rent. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's that to take into it. So it's the you know, economies and what your sponsors want you to do and support, you know. Uh, they want to see you. I mean, definitely a younger rider that's goal is to go to Dakar, you know, and that's that's the plan for a three-year plan or four-year plan. I, I would suggest they try to get into the FIM, you know, Rally 2 category. It's the best place to sort of see how you stack up and learn at the same time. Um, and that's what I would suggest that they do. But, again, it's a personal choice and what people want to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, so to further on that one, right, because the very real or the most likely scenario that the roadbooks are going to vary, the time, like the overall times, like, oh, I'll just compare my time to the Rally 2 guys won't actually make sense because it's not the same course. Yeah, yeah. And there may be some splits that are the same, like from start to CP1, but... Um, even on some days in the dunes, that might be different, you know, so, mm-hmm. yeah. It just kind of depends. Awesome. So that's, uh, that's the list. And this list, uh, also was, was put together by the guys, uh, over at freedom rally racing, Robert, and then they're just kind of running through a list from the group. Uh, what, what other things should guys know about, uh, or should teams or, or competitors know? Is there anything um, yeah. else? Yeah, I mean, one of the things we've we've tried to do in our event is make it a point-to-point event. So we're trying to keep that flavor, but there are some logistical constraints for some of the teams traveling all the way from Europe. So uh, we'll probably just have two bivouacs this year and race out of those two. But the start will be in Hermosillo. Um, I'm not releasing too much of the course details yet, um, but the rest of the, the hotel information from Hermosillo is already up. Um, but hotels for the other two bivouac sites will will, will be up uh, probably, I'd say, in February, beginning of February. Um, and then people can start planning their logistics out. So um, the other thing, too, is some of the teams coming from Europe have requested you know help. If there's people out there with support vehicles or trucks and trailers that they're not using or would like to partner up with a team coming from Europe to they're definitely going to be a need for that because they're looking to rent like sprinter vans, um, box vans and stuff like that. Cause they're not, not all of them are bringing all their big trucks from Europe. Some of them are, uh, some of them are shipping their big six by sixes in the cars. Mostly most of the bike guys though, are, uh, and some of the smaller car teams are looking to rent, uh, equipment and partner up with teams here in, in the U S and Mexico. So any of you out there that are listening that might be interested in that, uh, please reach out and let us know. Yeah. And uh, how would you suggest have them reach out uh, to the organization directly? Via the yeah, website? directly. To, yeah, just to, to the website, to me uh, or Aaron. Uh, either way, there's, my email is on there. Um, just, you know, Darren at Sonora Rally or Aaron Lee at SonoraRally.com. Okay. 
uh, both those emails will be fine. Nice, man. This is great. I mean, just the thought of that, like, Hey, we're, we can't ship all of our six by sixes or all of our. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, the biggest problem is finding box fans. Like in, it's strangely enough. I mean, we can rent U-Hauls and enterprise truck rentals and everything else in the U S but they don't really have that service in Mexico. So we're really struggling to, find trucks here for guys to rent and then in the u.s struggling to find companies that will allow us to cross the border with them so um that's what i was thinking of there's private individuals that are racers or might have equipment or vehicles that they're not utilizing at that time renting it out with a driver to one of these european teams might be a way for them to get involved in the race and also partner up with one of these factory teams that need some help so um that 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 is out there so uh just you know that's that's something that they've asked about and we're having more meetings on that uh with aso and the other thing is is the championship is promoted by aso so those of you who don't know much about them they do the dakar obviously and they also do the tour de france bicycle race and several other major events in france they have a massive media machine behind them so part of the of the lure for all the promoters is that we're going to be promoting the um the rally on a global scale now and bringing people and attention. I mean, just by the emails we're getting from people all over the world that want to come and race with us is, is fundamental change, but it's going to be cool because it's part of the joy I had of racing rally when I was younger was meeting all these people from around the world that share the same passion. So I think that over the coming years, we're going to see that uh, transformation too on the event, which is, you know, people with that shared passion are rally all racing together in a really cool spot and having fun bivouacs and um, eating good food and sharing good stories. So um, I'm really excited about the whole thing, to be honest. I got a yeah, I got a I got a feeling that uh, this this is going to be the favorite rally stop of the year for these guys. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little like biased, this, but <laughs> it's funny when we showed the video and then everybody eating the big giant steaks and, and and the Sonora Rally beer while we were in Saudi Arabia. You could tell it was like oh, <laughs> <laughs> no knock on the ASO, but some of the the, the the diet you know restrictions there from where we were traveling is kind of kind of difficult for everybody for three weeks you know so um i think you're right i think everybody loves mexico everyone kept saying oh everybody had a favorite mexican beer they wanted to tell me about which is always was funny too so uh, we're gonna have to stock up on, on some uh, some of those i think so yeah i think yeah. people are excited to come so we're just gonna make it fun and still i think if we can do some of the fun things that we've done in the past while growing the event to uh you know accept and cover the the, the new the new racers and the new structure Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that, that's 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 what my goal is because there is there's a lot of pressure from these bigger teams to do it a certain way, and I'm like, well, that's fine, but we've also done our rally away here that people enjoy, so we're kind of like meshing the two worlds together, mm-hmm. and that as an organizer and a promoter is a challenge, but it's something that um, that we're you know we're taking on the certain things we definitely want to do, and you know make you know, sure that people experience part of Sonora Rally, and there's going to be some new stuff that the World Championship requires, so. I think, you know, part of that is too, is I'm trying to get people, you know, I'm working with the, uh, some of the people that provide the equipment in Europe for the championship to have that at our schools in the future. So people can start to learn about, you know, what the ERTF systems and the, and the Marlink and the air track and all of that. So if they do want to race in the FIM and FIA categories, they can have some training before uh, they actually show up to the rally. So, um, so that's the plan. Nice. Yeah, I can't. Uh, honestly, I kind of can't wait to see. Uh, are, I think the most important question I have is, are you keeping the Yaki as the 
surprised. <laughs> Are you going to change of the course. trophy? Why would why would we ever change the trophy? That's like you know, it's it, people love it at the same time. Like, how the heck am I getting this thing home? You know, it weighs three thousand pounds and is two feet tall. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I think people love that, and we love the, the relationship we have with the artisans down here in Sonora that produce that stuff. So I don't think we will we'll go away from that. I think that's an important part and. I got to say that, you know, this, the director of tourism for Sonora is super excited about the event and, you know, the fact that they're getting behind it uh, is going to also add a dimension to the event, which is going to be good. I mean, last year we had a taste of it, just the support we had from them and the extra infrastructure and security. And, you know, I think we're going to have even more of that this year. And, um, um, yeah, we're super excited. I'll be with them, the governor and the director of tourism next week here at the music festival in Alamo Sonora and we'll have a meeting and announce a few more things. So nice. they want to welcome everybody here. And, uh, uh, you know, we know as rally races have done Sonora the last eight years, kind of what some of the beautiful country there is out here to explore. But I think also, um, having the people and the support, like people in San Luis have been amazing since this event started, just the dunes club guys barbecuing for us and cooking with us and, making friends with everybody. I think, you know, it's, that's the important part for me on this rally is showing as another part, uh, another face to, to Mexico, another face to Sonora and, and getting a personal uh, relationship, you know, for our racers with the, the people here. And then, uh, you know, we couldn't do it without the volunteers from both the U S Mexico and Canada that put their time into the event. So, um, a lot of them are already doing a lot this year to help bring the event to the next level. So I want to say a gracious thank you to all of those people that are supporting us and, uh, uh, the areas that we go to so um yeah it's, it's great it's really exciting yeah i'm 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 excited to be down there and already i mean i just need to get uh well we got uh rally school coming up right yeah february 18th and 19th it's sold out as of this morning so um yeah it's uh it's pretty you know, a big turnout they've got five or six utvs and and uh like 18 bikes so uh plus uh a lot of our new staff and volunteers are coming um, because we're going to do some training for the volunteers as well to get them up to speed on FIM and FIM uh, uh, checkpoint working and timing scoring and safety. Uh, so, um, yeah, if anybody from an organizational volunteer wants to come down, please let us know because Lance Blair, who is our medical guy, uh, who is an ICU nurse, will be uh, helping coordinate a safety seminar while we're doing the school at the same time. So I'd love anybody who wants to volunteer and be a part of the event. If they want to come down and join us for that, let us know as soon as possible so we can make accommodations for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, and actually Aaron was on it. She sent out an email, I think a few, a uh, few days ago already, maybe even weeks, but uh, I, I expect that also to get uh, that list to get filled up pretty quick. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, we already have sold out the the Ariza because uh, so we've got to use the other hotels in town. So um, yeah, it's it's good. It's good for San Luis too that we're, we're you know we're supporting you know because to be honest with you, the, you know San Luis may not be like the ultimate tourist destination, but it wouldn't the rally would not exist without them and their support um, and you know the desert they have there and the Dunes Club and and the folks that are there Esteban and Daniel and all those guys that help us. Um, so I'm really happy that we get to, you know, put more time and investment back into their community. And I've seen now a lot of my racers coming down on their own and, you know, 
just for fun and riding in the dunes and training and, and that's good it's developing a, a relationship with the uh with the with the tourism there and with the community so um it's been a good good experience over the last eight years oh yeah for sure and i i think that's a very important part of it like i i maybe some people don't realize how big of a point that is that okay yeah maybe the city isn't the biggest tourist attraction but it's not the city necessarily itself it's in inhabitants it's the landowners it's the people that call that place home and everything that surrounds it so i i like it i mean san Luis is is, is awesome and I, I think you're right it's yeah. a great place um and i mean all of it hermosillo that was my first time down there there was a memory lane for my dad but uh it was really <laughs> an awesome yeah i i really did have a lot of fun and and the the climate and the places that you picked and it was just, it was awesome. So I can't wait for these, uh, these international teams. I don't know. Maybe some of them won't go back. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is we just were in Hermosillo last week. We had a meeting with La Ruina and with the hotels and, um, you know, cause we're gonna have a lot more people and parking is going to be an issue for the amount of trucks. And some of these guys are bringing, I mean, it's South racing with that many race cars. So La Ruina has graciously allowed us to have their parking lot for the, um, uh, for the service park and we'll also have the extra parking behind the Ariza hotel again. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's going to, you know, we'll have a sign parking, but it's going to be quite the show. I mean, everyone's going to be there for several days and, uh, um, and then we'll do tech inspection at, at La Rubina. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank, uh, Daniel, uh, Capel and, um, and, uh, Jose Luis, they shop there at, uh, La Rubina for, um, supporting our event. And they have supported us for the last few years and they have a fantastic facility with great food there. And, uh, so right by the new brewery they just built and we'll have tech inspection there. So it'll be fun. That is, uh, you can remember that? Yeah, you're right. And I had never been inside of there, but that little venue is, is pretty awesome. The, everything yeah. that's in there. Yeah. So, and, and I'm, it was pretty full last year. This year, I think it's going to be over full. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why we've asked them for the rest of their parking yeah, lot. Yeah, we're so, going to need yeah. it all, boys. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, just out of curiosity, so for people, because there's a lot of people that do listen that want to get into Rally Raid, and I've always encouraged them to come down and, and look, you know, just even spend a little bit of time in the bivouac. Would that be something like if they made the trek out, could they go and see tech inspection and kind of be exposed to that? Tech is open, obviously, to anybody who wants to come visit it. Um, you know, the bivouacs themselves, and you know, better the best thing to do is to maybe hook up with a team. You know, I always tell people this about racing. They ask me, how do I get into racing? What did I do? And, you know, I, I was lucky enough that my father was a passionate guy about racing, so I was a, a kid. But I also remember all the volunteering and, and uh, an extra time I put in. The things I learned the most from were from other racers and other race teams when I wasn't racing. So, um, you know, that's what I always suggest. If someone wants to learn about rally, they don't necessarily um, have the resources all the time right now to go race, is to find one of these teams and say, hey, I'd love to volunteer. Uh, and because all these guys are always looking for someone to drive a truck or help work on a vehicle and, and be a part of it and learn um, from there. So, or volunteer with the organization. You know, we we're getting pretty full. There's still some, you know, needs for people, especially if you have a vehicle that's off-road ready to do recovery in the desert or, um, uh, you know, if you have medical experience and you want to work on that side of things and safety or just setting up a bivouacs and breaking down the bivouacs, it's a big job. So, you know, we've, we uh, always welcome people to come along and I've got guys who've raced and now volunteer and I've got volunteers who've raced. So, uh, you know, that, that's the best way because I get to learn it from the inside out too, you know? Yeah. I agreed. 
Yeah, you get to see the inner workings and that makes for a much better experience when it's time to be on the other side of the table. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, but yeah, I would love to see people down there and we are, there's another big difference is we're going to have spectator areas this year. Normally I'm very cautious with, you know, doing that, but, um, but the size of the event and with the, uh, the, the people that are racing, I think we're going to have a lot of people from Mexico and from the U S and Canada and even South America that want to be here and watch the race. So our plan is to have a couple of spectator viewing areas each day and release that information closer to the race. Um, so, uh, obviously you can imagine, we don't want to release it right away, but, um, once we get those spots, people will be able to come down and also go out and watch the, the rally and, and, and experience it that way. And, you know, so, uh, but generally the bivouacs, and I wouldn't say they're closed, but like just, we have to control the catering and, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. um, if people want to be a part of it, you know, the best thing to do is hook up with the team so they can get you a, a bivouac wristband and you can but all the insurance and the and the food benefits and everything else. Gotcha. Yeah. So volunteer with the team or look for the spectator areas uh, if you just want to go and, and pop in for a day or so. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. For sure. Excellent. Okay. I'll let you get back to it. I know you're a busy man and, uh, and there may or may not be an event coming up really soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I've stopped looking at a calendar now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I can only imagine it's like day by day. Okay. How much can I get done today? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, how do you eat an elephant? You just eat it one bite at a time. So right. that's what we're doing. Uh, this so. is a pretty gnarly size and, uh, or step up in elephant size <laughs> from last year to this year. <laughs> well, the, the, you know, I will say this, you know, the volunteers and the team last year probably, uh, was one of the uh, best groups we've had and the, the event went really well and, and, uh, gave me a lot of solace that it was probably one of the best events we put on. So, um, and everybody doing what they did in, in a professional manner. So I think having ASO there and observing that is what gave them the confidence that we can do this. And then, yes, we're scaling up, but we're scaling up with partnerships with ASO. You know, there's 30 people coming from France and Europe alone just to be inside the organization. So it's not, you know, they're bringing the infrastructure from Dakar, basically, the timing and scoring and other stuff. So um, integrating that into our organization is is a bit of a challenge, but we're not doing this alone, so, which is great. And uh, so I think that's what people are also going to see is that the event's going to change in its level of professionalism. Um, and, you know, go another step forward, which is kind of what I, I wanted. You know, we, we got to a certain point as far as we could with doing it ourselves, but partnering with ASO, um, you know, it's going to bring a, a true uh, international level event to North America. So it's it's the whole plan is to step it up and, and doing it not just on our own, but with the people that we've known for a long time and, and, and the new partners that we're working with. Yeah, oh, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait. Well, good. I nice. look forward to seeing you there, and thank you, Victor, for all you do and, and being a part of this. And uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. Of course, yeah. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule, and uh, and we'll get this out there. And uh, yeah, if I get any more questions, I'll funnel them to you, and then uh, I'll reply back to the people. Excellent. Thank awesome. you. Thank you, Darren. Enjoy your day. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. All right. So there you have it. That was Darren Skelton of the Sonora Rally. That's right. We have a world rally raid. We're North America is on the world rally raid schedule and I am absolutely excited for it. Right. Big, big undertaking. I mean, just in talking to uh, Mo and Mason about their Dakar experiences and, and what's been going on. Um, 
it is a huge undertaking, a huge amount of people that are going to be coming to this. So I am absolutely excited to see how this shakes down, seeing all the professional teams, all the tents, everybody, all the factory level guys. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see that. So looking forward to it. Remember the Sonora Rally School is going to be coming up in February and then, of course, the Sonora Rally in April. So definitely stay tuned. Stay posted to the website, SonoraRally.com, to get more information on what they are doing and what is coming. Uh, also... As you heard Darren mention, if there are volunteers out there that are looking to get into the rally raid side of things uh, and they may want to pitch in on the organization and help, uh, please reach out to them via the website, SonoraRally.com. Find out a little bit more about what is going on there and you may be able to help. And hey, you know, that is definitely a a great idea. You know, we've talked about it before is if you want to get into the sport, it may be better to volunteer and see the inner workings of it figure out what it's like, what what you're signing up for as a volunteer, helping a team, uh, and then you later on become that rider. So anyway, with that being said, guys, I hope everybody is having an excellent day. It's Friday, so hopefully uh, you guys are getting out and riding. So remember, it'll make sense when you get there. Enjoy the ride. All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and, of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week. Bye.